I saw Edu over in America and he said, listen, he goes, we've done our groundwork. The one signing that I think kind of split the fan base is the Kai Havertz signing. I, I was really shocked when Arsenal did Kai Havertz. I didn't see that one coming. I think he's under a lot of pressure. What happens with Mikel Arteta? Do we, do we give him more time or? Good manager, but we need to, we need to see. Ultimately, you know what I mean? All these, whether it be Arteta, whether it be, you know, Pochettino, Ken Hart, Costa Coglu, you know what I mean? You're judged on trophies. Welcome back to the Board Draw podcast. Today, we are joining you from a very exciting new location. Some would say a slight upgrade from the uh, little shed we've got going on at home. We're here today at the AFTV studios to be talking to the man himself, Robbie Lyle, about all things Arsenal. Robbie, how are you doing? No, I'm good, good. Yeah, if you don't know Robbie, he's literally the man when it comes to YouTube football, covers everything, big, big time with the Arsenal. Does even dips his toes into a little bit of the F1. F1, yeah, yeah, we do F1. We've got DR Sports, which also does all football, a bit of boxing as well. So, yeah. Covering all the bases. So, yeah. If, Covered all bases. <laughs> if you're watching this and you don't know who he is, you've got a problem. Make sure you get to know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, before we start, I'd just like to let you know that if you're interested in winning a signed Gabriel Martinelli shirt, this season's Arsenal shirt, stick around to the end of the video. You can find out how you can get yourselves in with the chance of winning this lovely, lovely shirt. Nice. But um, yeah, we'll kick off. We're going to talk a little bit about how Arsenal got on last season and sort of the expectations. It might be a bit of a sore topic now, but I think for a lot of Arsenal fans, come with time, it'll, it'll prove to be something that you look back on with fondness, the journey you went on, especially considering the expectations at the beginning of the season to where they finished. So do you want to, do you want to sort of... Well, I think weirdly enough, so we're one game into the season at the moment. We've just had Nottingham Forest on the weekend. And what I thought was weird about the Nottingham Forest game is it kind of perfectly mirrored how last season went. Very strong start and then a kind of fall off towards the end of last season. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of how you found last season, the kind of ride from being top of the league. Expectations were not low at the start of the season, but were like top four, we'll take that, to the title challenge, to eventually kind of bottling the title challenge. Kind of how did you feel about that last season? Yeah, it was a mixed season because, like you said, when the season started off, the expectations were we hopefully can get top four. It exactly. wasn't like guaranteed yeah. top four, you know what I mean? Because if you actually looked at most people's predictions at the start of last season, they didn't have Arsenal in their top four. Yeah, I've got they had Chelsea either. in there, they had um, it was Liverpool, like Liverpool yeah. you know what I mean? Um, we were not in the top four. We were not in it. So we were sort of like at the start of the season, right, we put together a good team that we mm. think can challenge to get into that top four. This is putting Zinchenko and Jesus. And we was thinking, yeah, you know what, this team, they could do something yeah. this season, right? Um, I, I went to all the pre-season games. Arsenal looked really, really strong, was playing some really good football. And you could see there was a real togetherness in the team and mm. a real sort of confidence. So yeah. when we got off to a good start of the season, it didn't shock me because... I felt that we were going to start well. Obviously, as the game started to go on and on and on and we kept winning, mm. I was like, wow. You know what I mean? We are really, really... Play and it, it wasn't just the fact that we were winning. We were playing some great football. Yeah. You know I mean, we were playing teams off the park. It was, scint it was scintillating to watch. Scintillating, absolutely yeah, scintillating. It was, so, it was a complete contrast to sort of the days of Emery where you were playing such a more pragmatic approach of football. Yes. And it was, it was nice to see you almost revert back to the Arsenal of old. Yeah, and if you remember rightly, uh, there was uh, one time under Emery when we went on a great run. 
Yeah. But I remember that run. That run looked better on paper than the actual football mm. was because there's a lot of games we just scraped it. And yeah. Whereas this time, we were playing well. We were playing scintillating football and everybody started to take notice and say, hey, hold on a minute. Arsenal going to fall away, but then we keep playing and be like, Arsenal going to... You know, and we, we played brilliantly. And then we even, we had to break for the World Cup. A lot of people were like, well, when they come back after the especially World Cup... Especially with no Gabriel Jesus. Especially Jesus yeah. got injured. Everyone thought we'd fall away again. Mm. We didn't. We didn't. We came back yeah. and again, we sustained a great run. And you know what I mean? We were getting great results of winning away at Tottenham, winning away at Chelsea, you know. Um, but then as we got to the end now, I just felt that there was a couple of key injuries. Yeah. Um, the injury to William Saliba, it's not, not only because of that, but I think that was a key injury because what it did is it changed how we played. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden we went from being quite high up the pitch. Yeah, the high line didn't exist. Yeah, to yeah. going a bit deeper. Mm. And then we just started to have more problems in the whole structure of how the team was playing. Yeah. And I think it was kind of squad depth, in my opinion, that kind of done for us in the end. And, yeah. you know, and also a lack of experience in those situations. I mean, we were still in a good position. We had the game against Liverpool where we were 2-0 up. Yeah. Let that slip. Oh, then we. Yeah. We, had, yeah, we had the West Ham game after that with 2 0 up, absolutely cruising. Let that go. And then yeah. we let that go. And then, you the know, Southampton, mean, the one. Southampton yeah. one, that was awful. That, that was, was bad, you yeah. know. Um, and after that, I just felt like, you know, it was lost. It was gone then. Yeah. You know, even though after then we still had a little mini revival, but it was gone then. And the other thing is, as well, City were just relentless. I mean, yeah. they went on this unbelievable run. They literally, after the World Cup, they only lose. lost. Sorry, they didn't lose a game, and they only drew one game. Yeah, and they won every other game, which is unheard of. I what mean, they, if you were what they're go capable back, of doing. Yeah, you, you can't If stop you were that. to go back like five, six, seven years, and if a team went on that run, it would have been unheard of. No, it's but just, because yeah. we, we forget the standard that City has now set. It's not. You, it's, uh, it's incomparable to other teams. Yeah. Like they've this summer, they lost Gundogan, Mares, two key players who, although didn't have all the playing time, weren't the star players. Had they probably been in the Arsenal team, they'd probably be alongside maybe starting players. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that, no. That's the level that they're at. So Those are starting players in any other team yeah. that they're able to... You look at, say, in the case of Gundogan, he's, you know, he's, he's in his 30s now, but what they were able to do was to sort of hold him back for a long time, use him sparingly, right, because of his age. But then when he came in towards the end of the season, now he's as fresh as daisies. Yeah, one of the best and players. He's a, and he's a top, top player. And then yeah. you've got Mares and these guys... Foden as well came back in. And then, of course, they had Haaland, who broke yeah. all records. You really you really analyse it, right? We were up against an unbelievable team. They won the treble. Yeah, we are up against right? the best so, team in the world. Yeah, the best team in the world we were up against. So even though we fought, I think if we'd have been up against anybody else, yeah. we would have been allowed a couple of slips. Yeah. Because we'd done so well at the start of the season, for three quarters of the season, we'd been brilliant. Yeah, We would have been allowed a few slips and still would have made it over the line. But when they're chasing you, you're not allowed any slips. Yeah, and maybe if and we'd scattered the slips, like a couple at the start of the season and then a couple at the end, it wouldn't have looked as bad. But because we were so near enough yeah. perfect at the start of the season and then at the end, the slips were all pretty close together, like back-to-back-to-back yeah. games, it maybe made it look worse. But all in all, yeah. the season was still, like we yeah. were saying, really the, good. At the end of the day, they deserve to win it. They beat us home and away. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, if you finish the season, I think there was about seven points ahead of us or something like that, and you've beaten the team that's after you home and away, you deserve to win yeah. it. You know what I mean? So, but I think 
there was a lot of positives to take out of the season. Yeah, you know so what I mean? Many, we, so we, yeah, we challenged for the league, you know what I mean? Which is, for me as an Arsenal fan, that's what I've been wanting to see for a very long yeah. time. We've just not challenged for the league, you know what I mean? It'd be like February and we're out of it. Yeah. You know, and to, to see us go nearly all the way against a good City team, you know what I mean? I, I, well, a great City team. The best, you know, yeah. was you know something to be really proud of, but it was really bitter towards deflating the end. Mm. and disappointing, and you know towards the end because we were all starting to dream of yeah. finally bringing that league, league back to the Emirates. Yeah, and it's been a while. And, like I was talking to Luke mm. before we did this about how, as a QPR fan, his kind of definition of success is probably a little bit different to like a top six team definition of success. It's so different. We we talk about the perspective in sort of Man City. A, man, a fan who's probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years old now, they've known nothing but success for the last however many years. Where mm. And in a couple of years' time, that will inevitably change and another team will see success. And that's just the way that football goes. And it is all about that perspective. And sometimes when you're at the top for so long, like Arsenal were, I think, what was it, like 90% of the season, something crazy yeah. like that. Mm. It's, it's, it's hard to remember where your expectations were. And you should never, you should never settle for where your expectations were if you're far overreaching it. But we mustn't forget that you, you are years ahead of the project deadline, the Mikel Arteta project. You've got Edu in the background who's doing absolute wonders with your transfer business every year. Last year, you look at the players you brought in compared to the players you brought in this year, and you're in a whole different bracket. You're you're targeting elite players. Declan Rice, one of the top three in the world in his position. Small teams don't do that. Teams that challenge do that. Mm. They are the mm. top echelon of teams. And you're seeing that. And you've got a brilliant manager. You've got a, you've got a team that plays scintillating, fantastic football. Um, and we saw in that documentary um, how the, there is such a togetherness together. So it is only looking sort of positive for Arsenal. And maybe we'll, we'll sort of move on to this the new season. Yeah, We'll talk about the players that you've brought in a bit. And sort of where, where do we go from here? How do we bridge the gap to Man City because they are the ones that everyone, not just in the Premier League, but in the world are chasing. Very, very difficult to bridge the gap between yeah. them because they've got so many, I mean, they've got the best striker in the world right now in Haaland. They've got the best, probably, you know, one of the best midfielders around in, in De Bruyne. And the best manager um, of all time, perhaps. They've got the best manager of all time. They've got, they've just bought in Gavardio. Yeah, the defence is crazy. like an unbelievable defender. I mean, it's a really, really good signing. Um, they're looking at Paqueta and they, you know I mean, so they're strengthening. They're strengthening. They they don't settle on their laurels. They'll be driven and motivated to mm. try and win it four times. No one's ever yeah. done it four times in a row. So, um, but to close the gap on them, you know, remember the gap wasn't big no. last season. The gap was closing, right? So to close the gap on them, we've had to strengthen, and I think we've done a pretty good job so far. You know what I mean? I mean, Declan yeah. Rice was. A brilliant, brilliant sign. Now, I saw Edu over in America and I said to him in the preseason, and I said, uh, we were talking and I said, listen, you done fantastic yeah. to pull that off, you know, to get that done. And he said, listen, he goes, we've done our groundwork. We've been talking to Declan Rice for a long time. Yeah. Setting this all up. And and, and that's how, and, and people forget, Man City came in. To beat Man City to a sign-in. Yeah, insane. Man City came in to mm. try and get the deal done. There's a lot of parallels between this and what we're seeing going on between Chelsea and Liverpool. It's the same situation Mm. in that Arsenal done their groundwork so much that the player himself is already sort of was already sort of saying to Man City, well listen, I'm going Arsenal. I mean I'm I'm happy to go to Arsenal. 
We've got everything sorted out. I want to go to Arsenal, right? And City, they were smart. They then said, right, you know, they're not going to put any further bids in because they know he's definitely gone. Whereas in the case of Liverpool, I think they didn't sort of maybe consult yeah. enough with Caicedo because he would have probably said to them, listen, I'm going. Yeah. I think to he Chelsea, gave his word, Chelsea. He like gave his word to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, I've already given my word. I've already had so many discussions with them because remember, they were after him all summer. Mm. I definitely want to go there. Um, and then maybe they wouldn't have made that bid, which has made them look a bit stupid now. Yeah. Um, but it's the groundwork that Arteta done and we yeah. were able to pull such a massive signing like Declan Rice over the line. It's, it's, well, a it's lot of his interviews, record for us. Uh, him saying that Arteta whatever he's saying to these players that came in, like you see it with Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus and then this season, Declan Rice, whatever he's saying to them in their like personal one-on-ones, he has a way with words because the way he kind of portrays the project must be very appealing to these kind of players because mm. for them to turn down, for, um, yeah, all three of them pretty much to turn down Man City, them two already, Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko already being there and mm. Declan Rice potentially going there. For all of them to turn down the Man City situation for Arsenal, Makes you think that Arteta has got he's definitely an exciting thing going on. He's definitely a brilliant man manager. We've seen that time and time again. The way he protects his players uh, against the press, I think, is a phenomenal thing that can't really be underrated because a lot of managers can just sort of shy away from that. But he goes out of his way. He's proactive in terms of protecting his players. But he's also a student of Pep, so you know mm. he's got he's he will be tactically switched on from minute one. And I think we saw last season him get it wrong a few times. But we mustn't forget he's he's a young manager. It's not it's not like he's been in, managing yeah. for years and years and years. He's very new to this. Yep. So for him to be as far as he is in he's a Champions League manager, second place finish in the Premier League, FA Cup. Yeah. And so we mustn't forget he's such a young manager. If you were to have to scale that down to what a football player would be, for his sort of age, it's unbelievable what he's achieved. Mm. He's taken the best team in the world, the best manager in the world, to the to the very end. And it would yeah. and it, Although seven points sounds like a lot, it was close the way it, it happened. Yeah. And it was also a weird season because you had the World Cup in the middle. You are unlucky with injuries. You don't have the depth that Man City do. Mm. You, I mean, you lose... Um, who, so you lost William Saliba and then you lost Tommy Asu yeah. at, yeah. at sort yeah. of similar Asu, time. Yeah. So what, time. what can you do? What can yeah. you do? Unless you're lucky enough to have the, like the Man City Academy as well. They managed to bring in like Rico Lewis who covered up for um, Carl Walker. Yeah. They might they binned off Cancelo, didn't they? Mm. Harvard, he's, if not one of the best right backs in the world on his yeah. day. So it's a crazy amount. Well, in terms of depth, though, our summer signings, like we were saying, I'd say one of the best windows in terms of the league. We probably have one of the strongest windows. But one signing that I think has kind of split the fan base and split probably all football fans is the Kai Havertz signing. I'm of the opinion that there is definitely still a player there and that utilised in a kind of a squad that is flowing, a squad that is kind of settled. He was never in a Chelsea squad that was settled. It was always either manager turmoil or places for teams were never settled. I think if he comes into a strong, settled team, he's a strong asset. How do you feel about the Kai Havert signing? Yeah, like you said, he splits the fan base. Mm. I, I was really shocked when Arsenal went in for Kai Havertz. I didn't see that one coming. And um, I think he's under a lot of pressure at Arsenal. Definitely. You know what I mean? When you think about the fee, you know, it's not like he came in for like 20 million or something yeah. where you say, oh, well, what, you know, what's... you know, like Jorginho. Yeah, exactly. You've got Jorginho, he's pretty cheap. And, you know, you kind of look at it and say, all right, that makes sense. Well, Havertz yeah. one, you look at it and think it's 65 million. There's other players who could have went out there and got. Yeah. So 
this is Mikel Arteta's man. Mm. And, you know, there was a proper player what, by Leverkusen. He was like one of the best young yeah. players in European football. He kind of regressed. I know he, he scored the winning goal in the Champions League for Chelsea, but he kind of regressed there. Can you? You can't live off of that forever. And I, I just feel that he's under a lot of pressure. Mm. Where does he play in this team? Yeah. What is his position? You know, is he coming into playing that role in which Granit Xhaka used to play? Or is he coming in as a striker? Right? So there's so many unanswered questions yeah. of him. That it's really hard to have an opinion until the season starts to play out. And he, I think more than any other player in the Arsenal team, is going to be under a lot of pressure because there's a high price tag. Yeah. You come from Chelsea. Yeah. And you were a signing that a lot of fans probably didn't want. Yeah. So, but you can, on the other hand, he can win the fans round by yeah. having Big great performances. performances. Mm. He has, he is a top player. He's a yeah. German international. He's not one of their, you know, their number one players. He's the go-to guy in their team. He's got it. Yeah. He just needs to show it at the Emirates Stadium. If he can do that, yeah, he'll win the fans around quick. Yeah, but we, definitely. you know, I mean, I think a lot of fans are really undecided on him because, you know, we just remember him at Chelsea and yeah. he weren't that great. And it's know? so hard to find a figure out where he plays because in the Community Shield, he played up top as the kind of number nine by himself. And then in the Nottingham Forest game, he was the left sided eight. Yeah. So yeah. I think. Even Which is still, where I think he's going to. Definitely. I think is what he's been brought into yeah. playing that position. But I think what it is because he's. um. He's been brought in because he's a versatile player as well. So he can play up top. Yeah. He can also play as a right winger as well. So I, I, I feel, you know, it's... And he's I, a big boy as well. That's he's a, he, he is, but he's not known for his physicality no. and stuff like that. Although I did think he did well in the community shield. Yeah. Holding he, the he, like, I thought he was by far and away one of the stand-up performers at the community shield. Even though he maybe didn't take his chances as well as someone who'd been hitting the floor running, someone in a hot like, patch of form. He was there. He was in the right positions. Mm. He yeah. had far bigger impact on that game than Erling Haaland did. And I know Haaland got took off about 60 minutes, mm. but I thought Kai Havertz, he was getting on the end of Ben, ben White, round of applause for him because he was getting to that byline mm. and he was getting those balls in, it, like cutting, like daisy cut across yeah. into the box. And yeah, maybe it was a bit behind Kai, or but you can get that working. That, that's, he, he's a goal scorer. And we, we saw it back in the day at Leverkusen. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing is his position is sort of, it's an old-fashioned uh, football position. He was like a shadow striker. You don't really get that too much mm. anymore. He used to play off the number nine for Leverkusen, mm. whereas now you're looking at a more systemic sort of style of football where yeah. it's less free-flowing. It's more players have instructions rather than positions. Yeah. So, but yeah, maybe that maybe that's to his benefit. Big though, season, he can do everything. Big season, a lot season. to prove. Definitely. Lot to prove at Arsenal. Definitely. I know you said you went away to the US to see the the boys. Who was your standout player? Because for me. Jurian Timber was one of the standout players that I kept an yeah. eye on. I mean, he's been the standout out of all the new signings. He really yeah. has been. I mean, he's he's been an excellent signing. Again, that came out of the blue. I wasn't expecting Arsenal to go for him. I remember last year, Man United were trying to bring him in. Yeah. I know he's a good player. I've seen him when he's been playing for the Netherlands and a little bit for Ajax. But he's he's really impressed. You know what I mean? He's he's strong. He's quick. He's switched yeah. on, he's, isn't he? Like, he's, he's skillful. He, he reads the game so well. First time. I think he's going to be back, a right really back. good player. Yeah, I mean, he's played right back, left yeah. back. And, you know, he's played right back already for us. He's played left back. Yeah. He hasn't played as a centre-back, which no. is where he used to play yeah. for Ajax. Yeah. So he can fill in in that position as well. So he's he's an exciting player. Really, really is. And I think, and, and was... I, I think he could be one of the the 
signings of the summer. I, I think, think, it, I think it could be one of the real finds of... Yeah, went know. perfectly under the radar because yeah, everyone player, was talking it? about Declan Rice. And then while that was going on, mm. we just I think slotted in. He was, for me, probably the, the stand-up player in the community show. I think the minute he went off, yeah. you noticed a difference. And yeah. um, TNE came on, I think it was. And mm. the, that, that Cole Palmer goal sort of originated from the, the right-hand side yeah. of the pitch. So it, for me, Timber underrated signing 100% and probably the yeah. one to look out for because I very I, very similar to Saliba in sort of the way in which he's ball playing player but so very calm on the ball yeah strong and aggressive you know what yeah. I mean good player yeah William Saliba he's, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's a man at the moment yeah. I think honestly uh, if you have an injury free season for him he, he probably is maybe the best yeah. centre back in the league we missed Ruben him. Diaz is yeah Diaz probably yeah I'll probably still say Diaz but you know, Saliba's, Saliba's up there. Yeah, Saliba's yeah. up there. Yeah, I mean, we come second last year and he, you know, most of the good things we did in defence centred around him. Yeah. So he's up there. There was some crazy statistic in games where he played and then during his injury, the sort of goal, the threat on goal yeah, and the goals so conceded much were much higher. So but yeah, it was really interesting. Um, let's talk about something. It's a, it's, a, it's a really hard question to answer because it's a lot of what ifs and unknowns. But if we get to the end of the season and Arteta either hasn't won a trophy or you don't sort of get to the level where you did last season. You don't push Man City mm. or whoever wins the league to that to the last few games of the season. Maybe you don't get out of the Champions League groups. What happens with Mikel Arteta? Do we do we give him more time or? It all depends, I guess. You know, it's, it's, football's a funny game. You're under pressure. I think he's under pressure now because of the spending. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of money now. So whereas I said last year, the expectations were fairly low and you know, fans are sort of like, well, hopefully we put together a team that can get into the top four. A lot of fans are looking at him thinking, well, top four is a given now with the yeah. money we've spent and we want to see a challenge mounting on the league and we want a trophy. Now, with teams like Man City around and with teams like Chelsea strengthening, Liverpool, Man United, all spending hundreds of millions of pounds, it's not easy. Mm. So it would really depend upon how the season went. If we, we can still see a team that's progressing, I don't see he would be sacked. Yeah. You know, I think if we could see a team that, you know, is falling apart or something like that, well, that might change. Yeah. Change. It's really hard to say at this stage of the season, but certainly he's under a lot more pressure this season because of all the spending. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Which is interesting because a lot of fans, I'm seeing a lot of fans predicting their league table and a lot of fans have Arsenal to drop off and not even compete for top four anymore. But then later in the season when we're not competing and we've got the spend and then they're like, oh, why aren't you competing for the title? And it's like, well, you didn't think we were going to do anyway. So it is, well, that was me, last year. None, exactly. of us, none of them has, has us competing for the title. I, I, trust me, Arsenal fans maybe had us in top four. Yeah. Most other fans did not yeah. have us in the top four. They had Man City, they had United, they had the Liverpool, probably right, Chelsea. and they had Chelsea. Yeah. And then they had even Newcastle had teams in front of us. They had Tottenham in front of us. Yeah. So... To be fair, I had the Arsenal-tinted goggles. I had Arsenal in third. They, they served you well. <laughs> they but yeah, did. I mean, even this season, I, I, I've i got my prediction. I think I've got Man City win the league. I think that's just a given for everyone. It's a save bet to go for. Mm. I've still got Liverpool in second. And for me, the difference between Liverpool and every team below them, they've got Jurgen Klopp. And I I, I don't... I, the, he, Him and Pep, yeah. he, he's the only one that really takes it to Pep. And I know Mikel did it last season, but mm. every season before that, it's been Liverpool, Man City, 100 points, 100 points, 100 points, 100 points. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that was a few seasons ago, though. I think Liverpool now have got a few problems with their team. Definitely. Their midfield is you know weak. I mean? Their midfield, listen, there's still the rest of the transfer window yeah. to go. 
And also, I think their defence is not quite as strong as it used to be. So, but Liverpool are always going to be up there. Yeah. Well, 100% Liverpool will be back this season. Chelsea, we've already seen that, you know, they've improved a lot. They're spending money like it's going out of yeah. business. Right? <laughs> 800 so, million since yeah, Todd Bowley's I mean, been around. You, know, yep. you, you can't spend that type of money no. and not, you know, be, end up challenging. Mm. You know what I mean? I think they will. Um, maybe not this year, but they will be. I mean, we saw so, Newcastle this this weekend have a Newcastle performance against another yep. team who were quite high flying. Newcastle, Man United are stronger. Yep, you know, so it's going to be a really interesting league. Yeah, it's, that's the beauty of the game. You, just, you never really know until it's over, and Don't even know. then, you'd still be quite scratching your yeah. head about a few things. Exactly. So, what are your expectations then for Arsenal this season? My expectations is we challenge for the league. Yep. Um, top four finish, mm-hmm. and um, we go pretty deep into the Champions League as well. I'd yes. like to see at least a quarter-final, you know. Um, we haven't been, it, we haven't stage, been yeah. it for a long time. Yeah. So long I'm, time, not, yeah. I'm not expecting to win it or nothing like that, but to go deep into it and maybe win an FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah, as long as, you, as, long as you're there or thereabouts. That would be, be like my minimum. But what, yeah. what, I, what I really want to do is I want to win the, I want to win the little, well. <laughs> but yeah, the I, league. I want to win the league. Yeah. Man, that's what I, I Would really you pick the league win. over the Champions League? Oh, I take. I think I'll take the Champions League just because we've yeah, never we ever won it. it. But either any yeah. of them. That's the million dollar question, isn't it? Is, it is it? It is indeed. But yeah, yeah. should we um, should we move on to some? Uh, we've got some quick fire sort of questions for you. Okay. Just to get a sort of glimpse into how your brain's working. Mm-hmm. Um. So we got this uh, little this little questionnaire. Three que- three options. You get to pick one of them. Mm-hmm. Which historic Arsenal player would you like to add to this current team? You can choose between. Cazorla, Sanchez, and Van Persie. Do you know what, right? Even though I don't like to, you know, I don't know what he did to us, but Van Persie would be perfect for this team right yeah. now. We don't have an out-and-out out striker. So adding him right now, I think, we've got, I think we've got players like Sanchez. Yeah. And we've got the young, but we don't have a Van Persie in this team. If we had a Van Persie in this team... That's yeah, what you were crying out for last yeah, season, wasn't 20, it? 20, 30 goals a season, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's quality. Talking of strikers, strikers on the market right now in and around the Premier League, who would you take out of Ivan Tony, Ollie Watkins, and Alexandra Mitrovic? Ooh, Ivan Tony. Yeah. I really, really like I like Mitrovic as well, but I really, really like Ivan Tony. I think yeah. he's, he's an so excellent, excellent player. Really underrated. Yeah, there's not many people like him in the Premier League. He's like a Haaland esque in the fact that his yeah. hold up play is insane. Yeah. But his finishing is also. Top tier. Yeah, he was someone oh. who used to bully QPR quite a lot, even back in his <laughs> yeah. sort of like Peterborough days. Great and, on penalties as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic <laughs> penalty taking. Except West Ham just signed James Ward Prowse and just the ability to have a dead ball specialist in your team. Mm. If, for a team like West Ham, who might be looking down rather than mm. up, mm. that can be the difference between, you know, mm. that can easily yeah, yeah. get you six, nine points a season just from a free kick or something. So yeah, it's really interesting take. But yeah, Ivan Tony, yeah. such a big player. Oh, yeah. And in a weird situation, at the minute so mm. could potentially be ready for a cut price or even someone in January if, you, if you're mm. looking for just my worry is Spurs will probably keep an eye on him but yeah well if he Spurs I reckon they I reckon they might move for him January yeah mm. um, he'd be good for them but he's a good player yeah 100% definitely um, oh this is a tough one not like the other two have been easy but best current English number 10 we've got three options here we've got uh, Phil Foden we've got James Madison or an Eberechi Eze? Who would you have right now? Starting England number 10. Foden. Ooh. I like Eze as well. Yeah. Madison's a good player as well, but 
to me, Foden, he's he's an unbelievable player. We were saying that. It's a hard one with Foden, is it? Because he doesn't have enough football for someone as good as he is. I mean, if you were to pick on like current form, mm. he might be bottom of the barrel in terms of those three. Nah, he's quality. But he, he is. He's just because so he's at City, that's all. Yeah. But, yeah. And even when he comes in for City, he always delivers. You know, he's a great player. Yeah, no, he, he is. And uh, the problem with England is that we don't play with an out and out 10. Mm. We, maybe we play with a sort of really advanced eight. Yeah. But we've got such quality in that area. We've got the likes of Everett Chiesa. We've got Foden. We've mm. got um, Madison. Even the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe when he's back on form. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. such an underrated player and, and can just about getting into the team. And I, I hope that we can see him get more minutes this season because I know he struggled with injury last Definitely. season. But what a fantastic player he is. Um, Mason Mount even he's just made a fairly big money move to Man United that Doesn't was the face right. of someone that's not keen on Mason Mount Doesn't no, really Mount, Mount, things, Mount's but... a good player but he's not he's not as good as Foden for me no yeah but... I'd say or as a in terms of Mount's one of those mm. players that he doesn't probably know his best position either yeah and yeah. so it's hard to label him as a number 10 but yeah not... Foden is just yeah. he's he, maybe he's the highest team. skill ceiling of any England, England yeah, player at the minute player. definitely yeah, yeah. alright another one for you this is for managers I'll ignore Jurgen Klopp and Pep because they're kind of very clearly a tier above. But in terms of other managers that we're competing with, who would you say is the best manager out of Maurizio Pochettino, Eddie Howe, Roberto De Zerbi and Eric Ten Hag? I like De Zerbi. I really, really like De Zerbi. I'll put him next. Ten Hag after that. Um, who else? Poch and Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe's doing a great job. He so is. I put Eddie Howe there and then Pochettino. Interesting. He's got a lot to prove, hasn't he, Pochettino? I yeah. think. He's a good manager. He's never won anything, though. Yeah. And he's had a lot of, you know, he's had a lot of time with teams. So I thought he was an interesting appointment for Chelsea because Chelsea, mm. like, as we've known them in the past couple of decades, is just trophy after trophy. And to hire a manager, I know they had Graham Potter, who was kind of their first step into project take, managers. Yeah. But mm. to go for Pochettino, who is not mm. a serial winner. It'll be interesting because I, I know from a lot of what I've heard about Chelsea their preseason went quite well a lot of fans were quite excited about how they would but anything's got to be better than last season yeah and yeah, they that, made, that, it was that, such that, a big jump from Tuchel to, to Potter where it's like now it's you, you've had the time to sort of play with it we need results you yeah. spent 800 million plus something's got something's <laughs> got to click right Pochettino though good manager but you need to we need to see yeah well, I don't want to see, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I think Chelsea fans are like, well, sh- deliver something. Is it almost kind of like Arteta in the sense that... Yeah. Once you've you spent... You can tell there's an ide- ideology there. There's a good football... Good football <coughs> yeah, management. yeah. He's got an ideology. He's yeah. got a way of playing. He, he makes young players better. I think it's a good move by Chelsea yeah. bringing him in. But ultimately, you know what I mean? All these, whether it be Arteta, whether it be, you know, Pochettino... You know, Ten Hag, yeah. Ten Hag, Poster Coglu, you know what I mean? You're judged on trophies. Silverware, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right, last question. Surprise package this season. You've got three players here. Mm-hmm. Probably not a big fan of any of them, but. Three uh, players that we labelled as flops last season. All right. We've got uh, Michaela Mudrick, Richarlison, or Anthony. Who do you think is going <laughs> to be the surprise package out of those three? I think Anthony would do better out of. Interesting. I, I think I was going to go for Richarlison. Oh, and I was going to go Mudrick. So that's oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Richarlison, it's, it's time to shine, Anthony, isn't it? Anthony, Mudrick. Richarlison at the bottom. Richarlison, number one. Mudrick. Uh, okay. And then, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Anthony. Anthony Mudrick. No, An- Anthony, uh, number one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Anthony, number one. 
Mudrick's second, Richarlison third. Richarlison is under a lot of pressure. Harry Kane's boots are big boots to fill. He's got to fill those. I don't think he can. Um, Mudrick, I don't know if the price tag is weighing heavy on his head. But yeah. He's just not delivered. But I think it's because he's a rookie. He's a young player. Mm. He's going to take him time. Whether he'll be this season, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, I, I my pick would be in Richarlison. I think he's got all the talent in the world. We've seen it as well. At the World Cup, he was quite electric for he's Brazil. He's not a prolific goal scorer, is he, though? But I wouldn't he be was happy for going he's into a season and he's my number nine. I wouldn't be happy if that was my number but nine. But then if you look at it without going too sort of analytical into the football way, but Postacoglu, everywhere he's been, it's sort of been very... He's a hipster's favourite for a reason. He mm. plays with a weird sort of broken mm. system with a very fluid front three and two very progressive A's. I think what they're lacking is that second progressive eight. I don't think they have mm. that in their team. I think if they maybe they, I mean, did they start with uh, who they start with the DM roles? Ollie Skip. Ollie Skip. That's it. I don't think Skip's a top six player at all. Mm. But if you don't have that going in your foundations mm. and you're trying to build through the thirds, you're never ever gonna be able to supply the striker with the chance yeah. he needs. Well, I guess they'll get Benton Core back in that yeah. position anyway. But and they got the Celso as well on the yeah. bench, didn't yeah. they? So it's an interesting. I'm not season. sure Richarlison, even at his heights, mm. is prolific enough to fill. Yeah, the boots he's done it game. at smaller clubs. Well, he was at Watford. He was he was an exciting player, wasn't he? And yeah, even exciting, at Everton, he was fairly exciting. Exciting, but not goals. Yeah, he's yeah. not Harry. Kane. But no, and no one's him. Harry Kane. But mm. yeah, I agree. Tottenham. When you lose Harry Kane, who's a 30-goal-a-season striker, you want a 15-goal maybe to replace him. I'm not sure Richardson's even 15. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Scored one last year. Exactly. Yeah. One. I mean, how many times and a couple of offside off? ones as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, horrendous. But yeah. Now, let's, uh, should we start wrapping up? Yeah, should we wrap yeah. up? Yeah, awesome. Um, guys, we spoke about this earlier in the episode. That is cool. We've got a nice here signed Gabriel Martinelli Arsenal home kit. And if you want to be in a chance of winning it, make sure you're subscribed and comment down below who you think will be the Premier League signing of the season and why. Let us know down below. Make sure you subscribe to our channel because Timber. we'll be picking a winner big time. <laughs> it's a big time win. But yeah. Thank you, Robbie, for having us at no, your studios. You. It's been lovely. Yeah, no, it's been a no, wonderful cheers. experience. Come again. We, uh, thanks very much. Yeah, no. Good luck to Arsenal this season. Um, uh, if you want to be if you have some reason watching us and you don't know who Robbie is make sure you go over to his channels uh, all of them but yeah he's outside every game supporting the Arsenal getting you all that top quality content because thank yeah you. he's a front runner in the uh, the YouTube media industry so yeah big thank you to Robbie really no, appreciate thanks. it thank, thank you guys for watching make sure you hit that like button comment down below get into that competition because you don't want to miss out and subscribe it's in board draw and it's live come on Arsenal <laughs>